I can't imagine. You know, when we read these things, it's like we're reading history, you know. But I can't imagine being there and, and knowing all these things that are happening and, and maybe even hearing about them. On Palm Sunday, people were celebrating this Passover, right? And again, it's a great, great celebration. It's a great um, event that everyone enjoyed and everyone was celebrating. And now Jesus, a day or so earlier, had healed a dead man. Do you remember his name? Lazarus. How long had Lazarus been dead? Three days, four days? He was, he was gone. There's no saving him. And the, the girls, his sisters, Mary and Martha, were upset with Jesus, right? Because they wanted him to come sooner, but he delayed, didn't he? And if you remember correctly, when word reached Jesus that Lazarus, his friend, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, when his friend had died, Jesus did what? He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He cried over the death of his friend. He cried because he knew that his female friends, those two sisters, would be just heartbroken. And Jesus knew this. But he also knew that there was something greater that was going to come out of this situation. And so Jesus, when he arrives, one of the sisters says to him, Lord, if you had only been here, then, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have died. You could have healed him and he would have lived. And now it's, it's too late, Lord. It's too late to do anything. And Jesus said to her, your brother will live. And she's thinking that He's talking about in the resurrection that he will be raised again. And when the kingdom of God comes, that her, her brother, her precious brother, the friend of Jesus, would be raised again as we all would be. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was going to raise this man from the dead. Ha! <laughs> Okay, and so Jesus says to her, your, your brother will live. And she says, I know, Lord, on the last day, resurrection day, Jesus, I know that my brother will, will live. And what did Jesus say to her? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. What a statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you understand what he's saying there? I have power over death. <laughs> Can you imagine? All right? We're looking back on this a couple thousand years, reading about this. They're there in a living room talking to each other about a dead brother. 
And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, shall live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus walks to the mouth of that grave, that tomb is what they used back then. In many cases in Israel, they used tombs because you couldn't dig in the ground. Why? Rocks. Israel's just rocks everywhere. And so they would carve out of big rocks or a tomb. And Lazarus was in one of these tombs. And Jesus stands at the mouth of this stone tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine all these people, right? All the people following Jesus around, they follow him back to Lazarus' place. They hear Lazarus is dead. What's Jesus going to do? It's too late. Oh, no, it's too late. Jesus' friend is dead. All the sisters are just going to be heartbroken. Lazarus, come forth. I'm commanding you to live again. Now, you'd be thinking after four days, not pleasant. And he's got the grave clothes wrapped around him. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine? But Jesus, just more so than just this Lazarus coming to life, can you imagine being there? And all of a sudden, you see from the shadows of this dead and filthy, dirty, stinky tomb, I'm spitting all over the place as I'm preaching. I get excited. Don't sit too close to me. They begin to see Lazarus emerge from the shadows of this tomb. And can you imagine what the crowds were thinking? Truly, this is this guy. He's got to be the Son of God. He's got to be the Messiah. No one has ever done this. No one has ever done this. And so... They didn't have cell phones. They couldn't text everybody back then. But can you imagine? They sent runners. They sent people back to Jerusalem saying, Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what Jesus just did. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. He come right out of the grave. Maybe not like that, but you get the idea. Right? But I mean, can you imagine how this word spread? Now there's, uh, uh, Jerusalem has swelled to overflowing because everybody's there celebrating Passover. And so now word is spreading like wildfire through this city that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead four days. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Nobody had ever heard anything like that before. And so now this man that people were calling teacher, 
rabbi. They thought he was a wise man. He maybe was a holy man in some sort. And, and, and like when, when they were fishing in the boat, remember last week we were talking about how in the center of this, la- this big lake, they began to be swamped by the storm. And Jesus stands up and he says, peace, be still. And he speaks to the storm. And so with each of these instances, Jesus is demonstrating his divine power from God the Father over all of these things. In that instance in the boat, he demonstrated his power over all of nature that he would cause the skies to be calm and the waves to die down and the sun to come out. And here he is a short time later and he's raising somebody from the dead. And so with each thing that he's doing, people are like, man, there's something There's something legit about this guy. And if there was any doubt before, now he raised the guy that's been dead for four days. One day, maybe he wasn't quite dead yet. Two days, maybe there's just a little spark of life in that guy. Maybe somehow we made a mistake. We didn't see his pulse. We didn't feel his pulse. And we buried him alive. Four days Ain't no mistake in that. God is displaying himself once again through Christ Jesus the Lord. And so now word gets to Jerusalem that everybody's excited and and the, the city is just swelling. And so Jesus is now on his way back to Jerusalem. People see him coming from afar. They see him coming from afar. And having heard many of them what had happened just prior to this, they begin to act on their faith in Christ Jesus. And so they take their cloaks, they take their jackets, and they are, I don't know if I can get out of this. Yes, I can. They take their jackets and their cloaks, and they lay them down before this colt, that Jesus is riding on. Now, there's something about this, this colt. Jesus had sent a few people on ahead of him, and he says there's going to be a, a, a colt at the entrance of the city, and then there's going to be a, a, a colt of a donkey, the, the colt there. All right. So this colt is younger than an, a, a burden-bearing donkey. Does that make sense to you? Yeah? Okay, so this, this colt is young. It's humble. It's not really strong, just old enough to carry the weight of a man. And so Jesus has the men prepare and go and get this colt. And he says, if, if anybody asks you, Why you're taking this colt, mind you, it didn't belong to any of them. If anybody asks you why you're taking their colt, this is what you are to say. The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Now, I'd like to kind of have that authority. Walk into a place, start taking stuff, 
Anybody asks you anything, you just tell them the Lord needs it. See how far you get. <laughs> All right? The Lord has need of it. And so they bring this colt to Jesus. They throw their jackets and cloaks on this, on this colt and a, a, a blanket. And so just take a message for me, if you will. And so, they're, so Jesus is riding this colt, this young animal, into the city. And people are throwing their cloaks down in, in these palm branches that they've cut off of trees so that the, the shoes or, or the uh, hoofs of this animal don't even touch the ground. It's a sign of homage. It's a sign of honor and respect. Hosanna to the son of David. When they say that, they're saying, you're the Messiah. Hosanna to the son of David. That is a direct quote from the Psalms to the son of David. They're referencing the Messiah. So these people that are doing this are recognizing that he is the Messiah. Okay? And so as they're coming in, now, I want to point out a few things here. Most kings, so there's to the king king of day, king of uh, uh, king of kings uh, you know it's a reference and when any other king would enter a city they would be riding on what a horse a horse that is trained for what war a horse that is trained for war a horse it is a war horse. It is a probably a purebred horse that it's, it's ready for war. And it's showing dominance. And it's showing conquer. But Jesus is not riding on a war steed, is he? He's riding on a lowly, humble, and gentle colt of a donkey. Do you see the difference here? And all of these things are pointing to him as the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Israel. And so Jesus rides in on this gentle donkey. He has no sword. He's not wearing armor. But he says he's riding in on this gentle, lowly donkey this humble donkey so what do you th suppose then is the um, message that is being sent by not riding on this massive war horse he says i'm not going to be that kind of a king i'm not going to be the deliverer that is going to free you from roman domination which is what they were under Harsh, harsh, brutal Roman domination. And the, the Israel people, Israeli people, were looking for a king to deliver them physically from the Roman government. But Jesus is saying, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to save you from yourselves, to save you from your sin. 
No one else can do that. No one else can do that. We hear of, um, <clears throat> you've heard of the passion this, this week from Palm Sunday to Easter, to the resurrection, or to the crucifixion, excuse me, is called the passion itself. That's what that's called. Because the reference, that word means to suffer. So when you hear that phrase, the passion, Mel Gibson's movie, the passion, that's what it is. The suffering of Jesus Christ. And he suffered as a sacrifice for our sin. Amen. And that declaration as Jesus is riding this young donkey into the streets of Jerusalem that are just flooded with people, a big hullabaloo arises as he's coming in and they're throwing down their cloaks and, and all these things and branches. Hosanna, people are yelling, Hosanna! And that word has two parts to it. The Hebrew word yasha means deliver or save. Deliver or save. And ana means to beg or beseech. Can you see what's happening here? And so if you combine those two, yashana, hosanna, hoshana, combine to form the word that in English means hosanna, literally it means I beg you to save us. Or Lord, please deliver us, save us. It is a cry. So as he's riding this young donkey, people are saying, Lord, save us, please. They're begging him, save us, Lord. Jesus, the deliverer, Jesus, the king of Israel. Rides in on the coal of a donkey. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, <clears throat> you can turn there if you like. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, if this had been said the day prior to Palm Sunday, this was said hundreds of years. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever did that. Jesus was fulfilling this prophecy as he rode into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. And people shouted to him. And hundreds of years prior, God is saying to his people, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Your king will come, but he's going to come gentle and riding on a donkey, not a warring steed, gentle. Hallelujah. 
In Luke chapter 19, verse 28, let's turn there. Nineteen uh, verses twenty-eight through forty-four. So I just want to read through this. That is not what I'm looking for. I think it's twenty. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was thinking in that spot. Forgive me for that. Well, let's go back to um, Matthew then. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Sometimes I get, I write, when I'm preparing, I, I write things down so fast that to get to the next thing that I'm thinking about so I don't forget it, and then I'll write the wrong thing down. I'll combine two verses. So Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 12. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, so on the Mount of Olives, there is a valley that separates the Mount of Olives from <clears throat> the city of Jerusalem. That is called the Kidron Valley. And to the left, um, as you're looking into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, you can see it perfectly. Um, the uh, palace of David would have been to the left and it was probably a mile and a half, I would say, from there. As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her cold by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and they will send them right away. This took place. To, what, uh, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king. And it's giving hope to God's people. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and found everything just as Jesus had told them it would be. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cokes on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The clouds that went ahead of him <clears throat> and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered the city, the whole place was stirred and asked, who is this? So now there are some that believe without a doubt that Jesus is the coming Messiah, that he is the king of Israel. And there was 
Of course, others that didn't know what was going on, they didn't know all about Jesus. Maybe they didn't believe. And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And it was after this, after Jesus had rode in on this triumphal entry that he goes into the temple courts where all of the people, the vendors, were selling stuff to the people because of the Passover. So it's a way for them to make money because there's so many more people in the city now. I'm going to make some money by selling doves to people to sacrifice or to sell lambs or selling a whole bunch of other things that people might need for the Passover meal. So it's an opportunity for them to make some dough. And so in the temple courts, people are in there and they're, they're changing money and um, <clears throat> some people didn't have the right change. So there was money changers that could exchange this money for this money, maybe smaller um, uh, you know, coins or things like that to purchase things where the vendors might not have uh, that sort of currency, okay? So, what they're... Um, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And so Jesus goes in there, and what does he find? He finds <clears throat> all of these vendors that are selling stuff to make money. And he gets upset, doesn't he? And so what does he do? He does something that nobody else has ever done. Not the highest religious people. No. Jesus was angry that the temple, which is supposed to be a house of prayer, has been turned into a den of robbers, a den of thieves, where people are trying to make money off of other people celebrating this great occasion. And so he goes in, and he is a torrent in this place. He starts tipping over money tables, and he's yelling at people. He even grabs this whip sort of thing, and he starts hitting people and hitting stuff, and he's like, get out of here. It is written, my father's house will be a house of prayer. But he says, you have made it a den of thieves, a den of robbers. Now he's getting himself in trouble. You start messing with the money, you get in trouble. You start messing with the power, you get in trouble. And so here we finish this day with all of the <clears throat> Jewish leaders getting upset. Now many of the people held Jesus in high regard. And the more they knew about Jesus, the more they recognized that he was the one. But the Jewish leaders were not willing to give up their authority. Man, I'm losing this here. We're not willing to give up their authority, <clears throat> their power. And so they plot and figure out a way to kill Jesus. Not only that, this Lazarus guy, he's got to go too. Why? Why does Lazarus have to die just like Jesus died? Because he is the evidence of what Jesus said and did. So this Lazarus has to go as well. And anybody that's paling around with Jesus or learning from Jesus, teaching what he teaches, 
they're at risk as well. And so we'll end here in preparation for the crucifixion, which we will talk about at um, Good Friday service at um, Albion Free Methodist. Please, please, please be there. You're not going to want to miss that. And then Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Nine o'clock breakfast. Easter egg hunt for the children. Kids are going to do a little quick play um, for in the first part of our service on Sunday. And then we'll have our own service, our regular service. Okay? So there's a lot going on. Who has someone that they're bringing on Easter Sunday? Okay? So, you need to think about who you're bringing. Sometimes you got to go through about 10 people to find one that'll go. <laughs> truthfully. Truthfully. Okay? If each of us thought of one, could come up with one person on a Sunday that would come with them, there'd be a lot less red seats in the house. It's up to us, friends. It's up to us. And this gives you, because there's a special event, this gives you an opportunity to say, hey, we're having such and such going on at church. Will you come with me? We're having a free breakfast at church. There's an Easter egg hunt. Will you come with me? Bring your kids. As we are here today, will you take your palm branches and one last time hold them up? We're going to sing a song. As we sing this song, let's wave those palm branches in adoration, in recognition that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. Wave them in honor of the King of our hearts. As we trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins as we just celebrated communion. Let us wave our palm branches in adoration to the King, the King of kings. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. May our hearts continue, Lord, to bring glory to your name, to praise you with everything that we are worth. And though we may not have a palm branch every Sunday, May we be lifting palm branches in our hearts to the King of Kings until we are together again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Jesus' name.